0: King David, in Psalm 27, writes this. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. David was a king, David was a shepherd, David was a psalmist, David was a musician, David was a warrior, but David was also a prophet. And I wonder if he is not speaking prophetically here in this psalm, because what he says is, listen, the day of trouble is coming. Now, the day of trouble, the word trouble there means bad, disaster, harmful, tribulation, by extension, the coming of ethical evil and wickedness. And David sees these, this day coming, and he says, Listen, this is the one thing I ask And then I'm going to seek to prepare for that day. And it's twofold. Oftentimes in Scripture, one thing is really two things. We're going to see that over and over again. And he says this, in in order to prepare for that day, I want to dwell in your house all the days of my life. To prepare for that one day, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. That's the first thing to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. He wants to dwell, to gaze, and to seek. Really, it's three things, isn't it? And he says, listen, the reason I want to do that is because when the day of trouble comes, you're going to keep me safe in your dwelling and you're going to hide me in the shelter of your tabernacle, and set me high upon the rock. David asks for three things, and then if you look closely here, three things happen. See, David says, this day is coming, and I see it. It's, it's the day of trouble, a day that's bad. It's disastrous. It's harmful. It's filled with tribulation. There's ethical evil and wickedness, and I want to do three things. I want to dwell in your house, I want to gaze upon your beauty, and I want to seek you in your temple. And this is what you're going to do when that day comes. You're going to keep me safe in your dwelling, you're going to hide me in the shelter of your tabernacle, and you're going to set me high upon the rock. Now listen, do you see the pattern there? Now Jesus said, listen, my coming's going to be like the days of Noah. When people were eating and drinking and, and all of those things were going on and suddenly the, fl- the flood came and took them all away. Who got taken away? It wasn't the good people, it was the bad people. But the family of Noah and all those beautiful animals were kept safe in the ark, you see. We'll, we'll look at this more later on. But I want you to see the pattern. The day of trouble comes, there's only safety in the ark. Now, Paul tells us a a similar thing. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. Now, do you see that Paul saw saw the same thing that David saw? He says, there's a day of evil coming. Now, that word in the Greek means a, a day that's bad. It's evil, it's wicked, it's filled with crime there's a negative moral quality of a person or action that's opposed, that is opposed to God and his goodness. Wicked indeed, a wicked thing. It is also the word that's used for the evil one and it's the title of Satan. So it could be read when the evil one comes. You could put that in there. So, What I want you to see is that Scripture looks at a day that's coming that we need to be prepared for. Now, certainly, by extension, there are lots of things that happen in our lives, tragedies, sufferings, tribulations, persecutions, oppressions, that could be a day of trouble. But I think this goes beyond that. I think it's looking beyond that. Now the problem with this great spiritual battle that Paul talks about is that even though the battle is in the heavenly realms, it's always worked out in the natural realm. You look at what's happening right now with all of the coronavirus and all that's happening uh, with, with, with the, um, uh, the, the race relations and what's going on and the demonstrations behind that. The enemy is at work. Now, I'm not saying that all that's going on is evil, but the enemy always takes advantage of the human condition and takes advantage of the things that goes on. And he's always at work in anything that starts out good. Jesus would, in, in, in things that start out good, Remember, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. So someone starts out and wants to bring life into something, and what does the enemy do Is comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And you see that so clearly in the things that are happening today. And, and, the, and so the enemy is at work, but what, what this is the unusual and difficult thing is that the nature of the enemy is not how we think he is. Listen to 2 Corinthians eleven, fourteen, and 15. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. It is nothing extraordinary then when his servants disguise themselves as servants of uprightness. Ah, isn't that interesting? That how Satan comes in the stuff of the world, the stuff of life, is as an angel of light. And his servants come as servants of uprightness. Whoa. Wow. Listen to what Jesus said in John eight forty four. 44. You are from your father the devil and you prefer to do what your father wants. He was a murderer from the start. He was never grounded in the truth. There is no truth in him at all. When he lies, he is speaking true to his nature because he is a liar and the father of lies. Now, isn't that interesting? The main thing that Satan uses against people are lies and and throughout society and in the world satan is constantly lying and and he's lying through people who tell lies isn't that interesting who mi- misrepresent the truth on every level this happens it's the way it's not only in 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 a a spiritual level because everything is spiritual but i'm saying in the media in the arts uh, uh, in in music and the, a message is being given that is a lie and satan is behind it and and we've got to be very careful what we listen to now listen to what paul says in second corinthians 11:3 but i am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And think about this the serpent at one time was the most beautiful creature in all of God's creation. Isn't that amazing? And one time the creature walked on four legs, either four legs or two legs, I can't remember right now, but he walked. And so when Satan chose to inhabit a creature, he inhabited the most beautiful creature, not the ugliest creature. Now, I look at a snake and I don't find beauty in it. I mean, I'm amazed by it and there are certain things that are certainly wonderful about it, but I wouldn't call it the most beautiful creature. And so our, the, the nature of the snake, because of the curse, has changed. So when we see a, a snake, we think evil. And I think that's written into our DNA. But at the time that Eve perceived the snake, it was the most beautiful creature. It talked to her, and it implanted half-truths in her mind, propaganda, fake news, misinformation in her mind about herself and about God, and it killed her because she, she lost eternal life. Do you see that? And so the lies that Satan perpetuates in the world today, and as Christians, we have to really be discerning at what truth and what lies, what are truth and what lies, they will only bring death. So keep that in mind. And there are lots of lies that we can believe about all kinds of things today. But the subject of this is what do we really believe about eschatology, about last things, about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, about us being gathered together with him, about tribulation, about all of those things. What do we actually believe about those things? That's really important. And it's, it's so important that Paul and John And Jesus are constantly warning us not to be deceived and not to be unprepared, which means, by the way, that we can be deceived and we can be unprepared. Now, before we begin to look at Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, I want to pray. And Father, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, for you indeed are our rock and our redeemer. Last week, we looked, or last time, we looked at 1 Thessalonians 4 and the straight news about what he had to say about eschatology and the day of the Lord. And so now we want to look at his second letter, because this was an important theme, it was something that uh, he wanted to make sure that the believers the church at Thessalonica got it right and and we want to get it right so listen as i as I read second thessalonians two one through three, as to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together. To him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or by word or by letter as though from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here or is already at hand. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and The lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. Now listen, it's really plain here. And and without reading anything into it, without superimposing my theology, without doing iso-Jesus and trying to bring out what's not there, let's just listen to it. And listen one more time. Here we go. As to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by spirit or by word or by letter as though from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here. Let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. Now, my first point, if you're taking notes, point number one, is there is one momentous event that comes in two parts. There is one momentous event it comes in two parts. Now, first of all, Paul is talking about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord. And he mentions another time and he calls it that day. So he's talking about one day. And he says, now, wait a minute, this day has two parts the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to Him. That's the one day. But two things happen on that one day. The Lord comes, we're gathered. You got it? There's a day and the Lord comes and we're gathered. Now, nowhere, there's no mention here of Jesus coming in secret hiding us away for seven years, and then coming back again seven years later. That wouldn't be one day, would it? That would be lots of days. And that idea of Jesus coming secretly, whisking us away, and coming back seven years later was not taught by Jesus and was not taught by Paul. Now, you would think that if this was an important doctrine, like it's made out to be, and I can't tell you, even I, I, I see in, in some of the correspondence that I see on, on some of the media sites and people that I know are trying to witness and they're trying to warn people that, well, you know, there's coming this day and, you, you know, I won't be here anymore, and so if, when I'm gone, I would just want you to remember that I told you. and, and no. You would think that if that was going to happen, that Paul would make it really, really clear. But you see, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together with him are tied together in what's called a chi phrase, K-A-I. And it means that two things are linked together as if they were one thing. It's a chi clause, just remember that. A joined together, a two-fold event joined together as one thing. And that whole sequence is very clear here, isn't it? The day of the Lord, that day, I want to tell you about our being gathered, to, the Lord's coming and our being gathered together with him. And Paul, being the eminent scholar he was, and the leading theologian in the Christian faith who wrote most of the letters of the New Testament, he would have made it abundantly clear to these Thessalonians if what Darby taught was true. Paul would have taught it, but he didn't. And it's really important that you see that. You see, what you believe about eschatology is going to influence how you look at your life. I think it's very hard for us sometimes as Christians to go through times of tribulation and go through times of tragedy and go through difficult times because we feel like because we're, we're Christians, why should I go through this? I shouldn't have to go through this. Shouldn't the Lord be protecting me? Shouldn't I be above this? And and a lot of people When tragedy hits, they lose their faith. But David made it very clear that the day of trouble is coming. And I want to hide away in you. And Jesus made it very clear that the day of trouble came, but they were safe in the ark. And Paul made it really clear in his letter to the Ephesians that the day of trouble is coming, so put on the full armor of God so you can stand firm. And after you've done everything to stand, you see, we're going to have to stand firm in some things. So if I believe that I'm just going to be taken out of things, and that day comes and I'm not taken out of things, where does my faith go if I have put my faith in something that's really not true? You see what I mean? Well, let's go on. The second point I want you to see is dealing with fake news. And Paul was dealing with some specific fake news. And let me read the second part of verse 1 and then verse 2 and 3. We beg you, brothers and sisters, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed by spirit or word or by letter as though from us to the effect that the day of the Lord is already here or the day of the Lord is at hand. Let no one deceive you in that way. Now, again, the, and he mentions the word again, the day of the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's talking about those two events, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him as a day, the day. And, and that's the subject. And he says, listen... This is my warning. I don't want you to be deceived about this in any way. And, and the way deception works, it causes us to be alarmed and shaken because we, what we believed doesn't happen. I'm deceived. What I believe doesn't happen and then I am shaken in mind and alarmed. And Paul says, listen, I don't want that to happen to you. And, and how this deception comes, that affects us in such a way that our minds are shaken and we're alarmed, it comes through media. Now, the media that he talks about is threefold. Spirit, word, letter. Now, first of all, as you know, the evil one cannot read your mind. He can interpret your actions and listen to your words and his minions. He, Satan can't be everywhere at once, but he has you know, uh, certainly uh, minions that do his bidding and uh, a great book to read if you haven't read, if you want to get a sense of it, is, is uh, the Screwtape Letters. But they can place th- thoughts in your thoughts, in your mind. And so spirits are at work giving us lies and false information. Then there is a, a word, and I think what he means here in context, in the way that he uses this in other places, he's talking about a prophetic word, all right? A, a prophetic word. And there were lots of false prophecies. A lot of what happens uh, that, that Paul and Jesus warn against are false Christs, false messiahs false prophecies. We'll look at more of that later. So there were spiritual influences, there were influences by people who were given prophetic words, and there were letters that were false. There were false authorities. There were things that were written that seemed to have authority, apostolic authority, but they did the same thing today. There are things that are written. You know, you you read the book, The Late Great Planet Earth. you, You read... Uh, those those books about, um, you know, left behind series and they see in the movies, they seem to have authority, but they're wrong, they don't. Uh, they, they, there's no good theology behind him, behind them. And so Paul says, listen, if you are deceived, you're going to be shaken in mind and alarmed. And he says, listen, and here's the third point, is I want you to hear the straight news. Now here's the straight news. Now listen carefully to the straight news. For that day will not come. What day is he talking about again? The day of the Lord. What happens on the day of the Lord? He comes, we're gathered. There's this day in which he comes, and we're gathered, okay? And it says that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. Isn't that interesting? Two things happen before the twofold day can come. Again, the coming of the Lord and our being gathered together is referred to as that day, one momentous event. But two things have to happen. First, the rebellion must come first. Now the word rebellion there implies rebellion against authority, both political and spiritual. So scripture envisions a time that's coming where there would be this great rebellion against all authority. We always have to be careful with authority because ultimately all authority is God's authority. Now unjust authority can certainly be dealt with but we have to be really careful in how we do that. But nonetheless what's being script what's being shown here in scripture there's a day coming where there's going to be this terrible rebellion against everything in the world. But all rebellion really is rebellion against God, and that will be at the root of it. And at the same time, there will be this apostasy, this great, great falling away. Now, think about this. You see, tribulation always tests and approves, and proves faith. Your faith is tested by tribulation. Your faith is proven by tribulation, and you are approved by tribulation. Now, let's think about this. What if these terrible, terrible times come? Ten times worse than what we're experiencing right now. And what if people who are Christians have thought, I don't have to worry about that. I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to worry about it. But you're not. What happens to your faith? Let me give you an example of this. When ISIS was in full power in those countries, Syria... In other countries in the Middle East. There were many, many Christians, ancient cultures that were totally destroyed by ISIS. And they would go into a village and with a particular hatred for Christians, and they would ask people, demand people who claimed to be Christians, they would find out, and they would give them the choice to renounce their faith and embrace Muhammad or be beheaded. And many renounced their faith. But there were those who did not, and there are amazing reports of young children refusing, refusing, 9 and 10 years old, refusing to renounce their faith and being martyred because God was pouring out his spirit at the same time. And they were getting revelations of Jesus and he was with them. You see, they were in the ark. Jesus says, listen, don't worry about someone that can can destroy your body. Don't worry about that. That's not the point. Worry about how your, your soul can be destroyed. You know, and so the ark has nothing to do or very little to do with our physical protection. It has to do with protecting our soul's for eternity. And I'm telling you, it seems like a time is coming when God is going to want to prove who real Christians are. And there's going to be this apostasy and and rebellion that happens at the same time. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 1 through 3 says. having a sense of godliness but denying its real power. Oh my goodness. How many people do you know who claim to be spiritual but not religious? I wonder how many people claim to know Christ but don't. The first thing that's going to happen before the coming of the Lord and the rapture can take place is there's going to be a, a, a great rebellion and a great apostasy. The second thing is that the man of lawlessness will be revealed. The Antichrist is going to be revealed. Listen to Matthew 7. This is so sobering. I hope it will make sense in the context of what we're studying. Matthew 7, through 23. Many will say to me, on that day, there it is again, that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The same word, the man of lawlessness. Now remember what we said at the beginning, Satan comes as an angel of his light, and his emissaries come as as emissaries of righteousness. And so, here we have people who have the right proclamation. They are saying, Lord, Lord. They are calling Jesus the Lord, emphatically, because it's said twice. And they are saying the right things in prophecy, they're prophesying in his name, and they're casting out demons, and they're performing miracles, and yet he says, I never knew you. Depart from me because you practice lawlessness. They are being influenced by the Antichrist, and but they are doing things that appear as if they are from Christ. Think about that just for a minute. Matthew 24, 11, 12, and 13. Many false prophets will arise, and and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased and most people's love will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Think about that. Salvation has to do with endurance somehow. And I wonder, you see, apostasy is a real thing. There are people who can deny Their faith. Apostasy is a real thing. It can really happen. Listen to Matthew 13, 40 and 41. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness. You see, There's going to be another gathering. Like in the days of Noah, it was not the good that are wiped away by the flood. It was the bad. And and here's another way of looking at it. There's going to be another gathering, and it's going to be a gathering of all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness gathered out of the kingdom, taken away. Now, this Antichrist is not only called the man of lawlessness, but he's called the man destined for destruction or the son of perdition. In John 17, 12, there's the only other place where this is used. And it says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the son of perdition the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. Doomed to destruction means it can be translated son of perdition as talking about Judas. We will see that Judas is a type of the Antichrist. In fact, next week, we're going to do one more podcast in eschatology for now before we go back to the book of Revelation. And next week, we're going to be continuing on in Second Thessalonians, and looking at what Paul has to say about the Antichrist, it's not what we think. I mean, at one time, I thought for sure that Barney, that that character that my kids used to watch on TV, was the Antichrist. But I was wrong uh, once I began to really look at Scripture. And there are many things, many people who look at world figures and say, oh, that has to be Antichrist, but they've got it wrong. Because listen well, you'll listen to see how the Antichrist is described. But what I want you to see here and keep in your heart is that the day of the Lord, the momentous two-fold event of him coming and us being gathered will not happen until the rebellion happens and the revelation of the Antichrist happens. And I wonder if what's happening right now are the winds that are blowing, that are going to be the storm of that, of that time, I, I just wonder, because things are happening now that they are frightening to me. They are frightening. The things that are happening politically, uh, uh, that some of the, uh, the things that I hear uh, that, that are to- going to be passed into laws, that may be passed into laws. Uh, if certain political parties have their way, oh my goodness, you know, I think if certain things are passed into laws that have to do with children, I think God's going to say, that's enough. That is enough. And it may just be the end of our country. Do you know that Scripture says that God deals with a country when their iniquity is full. And he judges their iniquity as being full when two things mark that country. When the moral standard of God is is said to be immoral. In other words, God says this is wrong and society says, no, what God says is really wrong. And so when... When a country embraces immorality and goes against God's standards, their iniquity is full. The second thing is when they sacrifice uh, their children in the fire. And some of the things that I see coming down the line, uh, for example, to allow abortion even after birth, I mean, God has, that has got, the the very idea, there was one political candidate who was running for president who has dropped out. His solution to all the refugees that were coming up and trying to come across our border to prevent them from coming is that the United States should pay, should pay for all the abortions in that country. Can you imagine that someone whose mind, how evil is a mind that would think of, that that would be good. And the, the amount of child pornography, the amount of child trafficking today is stupendous. And I wonder if, if God is not getting to the point, and maybe it's just with our country when he says enough is enough and we go the way of the Roman Empire. Well, I believe... Only revival can stop that. Well, I want to close with Paul's, go back to 1 Corinthians and read chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. And you will see these themes reinforced. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters. This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 through 6. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves know very well that that day, the day of the Lord, there it is again, will come like a thief in the night. When they say there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them. As labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. There will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and sober. Do you see that again he is talking about the day of the Lord, the same day that's mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That day in which the Lord comes and we are gathered and here the world is judged. Do do you see very clearly that what, what people are saying is peace and security Another thing that's happening very clearly, there's such a giant push right now for the new world order, the new normal. And you see some figures that are having um, influence in society like George Soros and like Bill Gates who should have no, based on the terrible things that they have done, especially Bill Gates with his vaccine, vaccines and what he's done in third world countries. And I'm not anti-vaccine, I'm just telling you, what he's done is terrible. And, and, and he, they're pushing for this new world order. And I wonder if what happens is there, and just think about this, just think about it. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I wonder. If there's coming a time where this giant, giant rebellion takes place, and because of that there's a giant apostasy in the church, and there arises a new world order with what, whoever and whatever this leader is that we'll look at that brings peace and security, but it, it's at a cost of denying everything that has to do with God and going against God's morality. You see, the church, look at how easy it has been for your rights to have been taken away, for, for the church to be marginalized. Just the other day I read that the governor of New York said, listen, if you are pro-life, you are not welcome in the state of New York. How easy would it be to go to the next step? If your church is pro-life, you are not welcome to worship. It's only one small step to that. And the church is being marginalized all the time because when the church stands for the morality of God, it comes up against the critical terror of the world and the oppression of the world, And there are going to be many people that won't be willing to stand firm against that oppression. But what if this one world order restores peace and security? And then all of a sudden, that's when the Lord's going to return. Not in the middle of the craziness, but when there's peace and security. And the thing that I want you to see that Paul says... I don't, you're not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. And so the expectation would be that we're here for that day. Wake up. Don't be asleep. Don't be surprised. Watch carefully. Don't allow yourselves, your minds, to be influenced by things that are not true. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray that in these dark times that we would see that you are here in our midst and that nothing can stop your kingdom. And I pray that we would hide ourselves away in your tabernacle in the ark that is the Lord Jesus Christ and that we would put on the full armor of God so that we can stand when the day of evil comes whether it's something that, that is contemporary or it's something that's, that's so global that, that we are astounded by. Lord, we love you, and I pray for each person that's involved with this podcast, that you would hide them away in you. In Jesus' name, amen.